Hey everybody, you are listening to Off the Record, a now weekly podcast brought to you by Chalk Magazine. I'm once again joined by my lovely co-hosts Nicole and Taylor. And on this podcast, we talk about anything and everything, including lowercase text messages. Okay, so I feel like I am behind the curve on this. Everybody I talk to has turned off auto capitalization on their phones. And I've just never really understood why. Can I get some sort of explanation on why this is the move? Sure, sure. So, you know, it's less loud. It's really less intimidating. It's really more relaxed. It's casual. You're texting. It's not an email. Calm down. You know, why is everyone so loud? Why do we have to capitalize everything? Um, But I will say that I was kind of late to the game. Um, you know, after my breakup, I was like, I just want to feel something. So I changed my keyboard to all lowercase, you know, switched my text from light to bold. If you're feeling spicy in the display for iPhone users, um, just to feel a little different. It's like the same feeling of getting a haircut, but, uh, less of a risk because it's just you, you know? Um, Taylor, you also use all lowercase. How do you feel? I do. I was kind of late as well because I saw everybody doing it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's not necessary. But now I just feel like the capital is just too formal. Kind of like you said, like I'm writing a letter or an email and like I need to use punctuation too. And then as soon as I change the lowercase, it just feels right. You know, it just feels casual. It feels sweet. I don't know. I like it now. And now I can't imagine going back. And I don't know if I will. Maybe that'll happen soon. Maybe everybody will go like full all caps now. And everybody will need to change. <laughs> I I think the one thing that's really kind of held me back is just my journalistic writing senses being like, this is weird, not doing proper grammar. Did that affect you guys at all? Okay, pack it up, William. William Allen White. I uh, I think you can calm down a little bit. Okay. You know, I, um, you know, I I feel like it's fine, especially if you are talking to like other journalists. You know that they're capable of communicating grammatically correct. So you know, like take the edge off. Write in lowercase. That's what I have to say. That's, yeah, valid. What, That's valid. Are you always doing like correct, like correct punctuation and grammar when you're texting? Because I mean, I'm already doing like 10 exclamation points all the time. So like, I'm not really worried about the format. That's true. That's true. I, it was mainly just capitalization. I think actually, I kind of just do really run on texts and don't really worry about punctuation as much. <laughs> I feel like, um, yeah, switch it up. Honestly, I feel like People that use periods seriously scare me via text. I feel like I'm talking to like a 56-year-old lawyer instead of like another 20-something person. Like I'm like, why are we, why are we doing this right now? This is this is a lot to take in. Um, I prefer um, ending your sentence and then a space and then an exclamation point because it's like woo, I'm excited about this, but like, I'm still talking with an inside voice. You know, I'm not shouting. Well, you heard it here first. Turn off auto capitalization. <laughs> yeah, switch it up. Try something different. 
And on that note, let's get started with our topic for the week. So this week, we're joined by Lourdes, our Associate Multimedia Editor at the UDK. And this week, we're talking about women in film and our top five women-directed movies since we've been born. So Lourdes, do you want to start us off with your honorable mentions? Yeah. So um, first of all, my honorable mentions, I have Set It Up, directed by Claire Scanlon and written by Katie Silberman. Um, I saw this for the first time on Netflix, I think last year. It's a rom-com and it's just like purely wonderful, funny, just makes me so happy to watch it. And that's really all I have to say about it. That's just like lovely. And then I have Citizen Four, um, which is by Laura Poitras or Poitras. Please don't judge me on the pronunciation there. But that movie like really made me super paranoid for many days, which I think is like a good indication of how good a documentary it was. Um, and then I have Leave No Trace, um, which is Deborah Granick, just another really um, intensely beautiful film and uh, relationship with like father and daughter and like, like a daughter kind of coming of age but learning that your parents aren't always right which is really beautifully told i think in that movie all right wyatt what about you what are your honorable mentions so i actually also have leave no trace in my honorable mentions uh it's it's as lord has said it's a beautiful telling of of a relationship between a flawed father and his daughter like he he's just trying to care for her with what he knows is right and it's her realizing that he's not always right, but he still loves me and cares about me. And that's what his intentions are. My other honorable mentions are 13th. I think Ava DuVernay's, all her stuff is great. And I just watched When They See Us the other night. So uh, really brought that back to mind, especially with how timely it is. I also have Hustlers on here. This one isn't like a, an amazing movie, but it's I it's so enjoyable. I love it. And I am a JLo truther for the supporting actress award there fortunately she got snubbed but it's fine and then my uh, last honorable mention may be a surprise but it is little women um did not make my top five because i have a different greta gerwig movie in my top five which we will get into later all right okay um i understand it i don't fully agree but i understand nicole what about you what are your honorable mentions i feel like i'm gonna uh make some folks mad for these honorable mentions that haven't made my top five, but um, I'll just go for it. So, and I love this movie. I, I truly do. I have Booksmart as one of my honorable mentions and not in my top five, just because I fell in love with the friendship of the two ladies, but that I feel like there were other movies made by like female directors growing up that, deserve a little bit more uh, um, attention. So we'll we'll get into it later. Um, I also have The Edge of Seventeen as an honorable mention. Um, typical coming of age movie. You've got your love, you've got your anger, you've got your growth. Um, very, very good, very well done. Um, I have Lady Bird also as an honorable mention. So Indie girls come for me. So sorry. Um, I don't mind. <laughs> um, and I also have a league of their own, which is remarkable, but uh, not quite in my top five. And my last honorable mention is the Devil Wears Prada, just because that was 
you know, talking about like a career driven woman and um, what it's like to like know what you want and not be um, ashamed for it. And I think that that movie like really shaped me growing up. Um, but again, not not enough to make my top five. So, Taylor, what's your what are your honorable mentions? Yeah, so I narrowed it down to only one. I only have one honorable mention. Um, my list was getting too big, so I just cut myself off at the knees. But mine is American Honey, uh, directed by Andrea Arnold. Uh, I watched this a couple years ago, and I need to watch it again. But I love the acting of Sasha Lane and Shia LaBeouf, and their chemistry is just wonderful. And we also have uh, a professor in the theater department at KU here who was in the movie. And so that's pretty cool. She has like a little part in it, Laura Kirk, shout out. So pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, that's definitely my honorable mention. Really, really good film. Highly recommend. Oh, and it takes place in Kansas City a little bit. So oh. local. Ayo. So do we want to start with top five or number five pick? Lourdes, what's your number five? Um, I actually have Booksmart as my number five. We haven't broken any rules. Okay, we've broken a lot of rules. One, we have fake IDs. Fake college IDs so we can get into their 24-hour library. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. That's, he broke art rules. Name a person who broke a real rule. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. I watched it again. I watched it when it first came out in theaters with my best friend and we just loved it. Um, and yeah, it's just like, I love movies about female friendship and that this one got to be like really silly and wild. And also as like a former gifted kid, I really identified with this storyline. Yes. <laughs> um, I love like that they kind of could be jerks. And honestly, like I recognize like things of myself in them. I'm like, wow, that is really annoying. Um, but you know, like they're, good people and they like want to just like have fun like everybody else beautiful message <laughs> um but honestly yeah it's I think five um for a similar reason I watched it recently and it's like a really good time um but just wait until you see what I have coming on the top of this list <laughs> do we all have book smart on our lists at some point yes. I think we do okay <laughs> yeah Wyatt what's your number five pick uh, my number five is one that I think less people have seen. It is a movie called Private Life. How's college going? Everyone is so convinced of their own artistic promise. And I'm like, hey, my uncle is an award-winning theater genius. And my aunt is a real-life playwright. And they're over 40 and still have to live in a rent-stabilized apartment on Avenue A with, like, drunks and graffiti in the front. So don't talk to me about the sacrifices you're making to be an artist, okay? Uh, it is a Tamara Jenkins movie about a couple that is dealing with the struggle of trying to have a child, but they're both infertile. And it's a really, really intimate movie, especially because throughout the, at, at a certain point in the movie, they form a relationship with this younger girl. She's in her like twenties or something and sort of develop a more parental relationship with, with her. And it's 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 a Netflix original, so anybody can go watch it. But it's just this really beautiful movie about about how infertility affects married couples, especially ones that want to 
have children. And it goes through the struggles of the adoption process. And it goes through the struggles of trying to have a child through someone else. And it's just, it, it was really eye-opening for someone that has not really been exposed to like any of that stuff. And the performances are all great. And yeah, highly, highly recommend. It's on Netflix, Private Life. Interesting. That's a good one to put down. I've never heard of it before. Nicole, tell us your number five. So my number five is The Farewell. Your nan is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. You know, it's it's my number five for a reason. I have a lot of goodies saved for up top, but um, of course I had to um, represent the Asian American journey and, um, you know, reconnecting with your roots, especially like relatively the same age as Aquafina's character. Um, and I just feel like finally there's at least somewhat accurate uh, representation of what it's like to um, be a child of immigrants, um, particularly like Asian immigrants and um, the culture cl clashes that come with it. Um, and so I really love the movie. I think it's very well done. I watched it with my best friend um, and she is all, she also has Chinese heritage. So it was fun to just like pick out like, oh, well, that's relatable. Well, that's relatable. And so um, I recommend everyone to go see it. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's my number five. But Taylor, what's your number five? I love The Farewell. First of all, it's a really good choice. Um, sobbed. And my number five also made me cry a lot. My number five is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, I'm a sucker for period pieces in general, and this one just did not disappoint at all. Just beautiful and a long movie, but the payoff is really worth it. Um, those last, I don't know if you guys have seen it, those last like five to 10 minutes, you know, just that extended scene could not stop crying. Um, it's just, yeah, lovely, lovely acting, scenery, costumes, everything, just a beautiful story. Yeah, I want to watch it again because I enjoyed it so much, but I don't know if I could go through it again, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, uh, Lourdes, what's your number four? Um, my number four is kind of like an A for DuVernay tie um, between When They See Us, which is not technically a film, um, and 13th. In the 1950s, Dr. King uh, and the uh, civil rights movement used television in this way. Look, this is what segregation looks like. These are dogs attacking children. These are people being fire-hosed. Searching for the medium of technology that will confirm your experience such that your basic humanity can be recognized. Um, 13th, because it just like really synthesized like all these things that I knew, like all this history, and issues that I knew had been going on, but like really added to my education. And just the fact that it's just like a normal feature film length and contains so much 
um, I think was just an incredible feat. And, you know, she has like Angela Davis in there and just like so many people who um, can speak like so clearly about racism and the criminal justice system and like really get to the heart of it. And the like, I'm just amazed that she was able to put that film together and cover so much ground in a way that I think was still incredibly accessible. Um, and, you know, the choice to do it with Netflix so that it could always be um, more accessible. And um, I think recently it was on YouTube for free. Um, I just really love that film. And I think that it's like exactly what I want to do in terms of like making film that really changes how people see things. Um, and then when they see us kind of in that same thread, kind of a narrative version of, of tying all those things together. I, I finished When They See Us just last night, actually. And man, it's so hard to watch at some points. It, but it really it's destroys so you. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so hard to watch, but it's amazing. I'm, I'm amazed by all that, like the actors that went into that. Yeah. Um, and, and her as a director, being able to navigate all those things and gain the trust of the actors to go through that. Um, all that trauma, I think, that was kind of being relived on the set. Is just incredible to me and she's just like a huge inspiration yeah why why don't you go ahead with your number four so my number four is book smart <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this we ask the questions oh my god oh shit 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 is this some manson family shit what is this no no everything is gonna be just fine you're just gonna give us the address to where you delivered some pizzas tonight Oh my God, are you guys out of your fucking mind? How old are you, by the way? Does not matter! Okay, that voice did not make you sound older. So you're basically children, and you just willingly got in the car of a strange man. Do you guys have a weapon? Yes. If we claim to have a weapon, this might be a felony. Fuck. Okay, so you're using your hair as a mask and trying to rob someone with no weapon. Because the funny thing is, I actually have a weapon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you guys have said it. I, I legitimately think that people always say that Booksmart is the female Superbad. I genuinely think Booksmart is a superior movie to Superbad. Um, I, it's just, it's wonderful in every way. The performances all around are just great. The humor is timely and amazing. And I laughed at like every joke, which does not happen very often in movies. And the relationship and chemistry between the, the two main actresses is just insane to me. And yeah, I, I, I have been hyping up Booksmart ever since that early screening. And I will continue to hype it up until the end of my days. It's so good. Yeah, Booksmart's popular choice. I'll get there as well. Nicole, what's your pick? So I also have a tie for my number four. Um, and so I have The Virgin Suicides by Sofia Coppola, and then I also have The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is based off of one of my favorite books, The Diary of a Teenage Girl. My name is Minnie Getz. I'm an aspiring cartoonist, and I'm recording this onto a cassette tape because my life has gotten really crazy of late. Quit spying! I had sex today. Holy shit. This makes me officially an adult. But this is directed by Marielle Heller, and I strongly recommend it. Um, I feel like several people have already heard about the Virgin Suicides, but a um, 
bunch of girls that live in a house and it's like this like suburban mystery of like why these like beautiful girls are like in a helicopter parent home and just like the mystery the mystery about them and um it's just it's amazing also like the soundtrack is lovely but with the diary of a teenage girl this has Kristen Wiig as not a comedian and I think it's one of her like one of her first like serious roles that came out in 2015 so I think she left Saturday Night Live at that point but um basically the story is about this 15 year old girl named Minnie and she is like a budding cartoonist she wants to um like grow into her own person but also like not become her mom because her mom has like different boyfriends and stuff like that but uh she really grows as like a person but then also grows with her sexuality and um I feel like representing um the journey of figuring out like teenage girl sexuality and the things that come with that uh just has lacked a lot of representation and so I feel like with this movie and also the book it just like perfectly portrays like that journey that like a teenage girl goes through um and like the maybe internal battle of like I can't be sexual because I am a girl um but this movie like you know punches the freaking patriarchal ceiling or whatever um and just says screw you I'm a sexual being um and so I think it's lovely I think it's also really really funny um and a must watch Taylor what is your number four? Uh, yes, I love that movie as well. Also, I love how it was filmed um, with the illustrations that they also do um, over many during it. It's really, really beautiful. But my number four is also 13th, similar to Lourdes. The difference now is somebody can hold up one of these, get what's going on, they can put it on YouTube, and the whole world has to deal with it. That's what's new. It's not the protest, it's not the brutality, it's the fact that we can force a conversation about it. And you pretty much said it, said it wonderfully. Um, just what she was able to put into that film, just the amount of information, um, and it was done so accessibly. I felt like, you know, I had known some of those things beforehand, some aspects of history, but I didn't know how little I actually knew about in depth about a lot of those things. And so it was so engaging to watch too. Everybody that I've recommended it to has really enjoyed it, learned a lot of new things. So that's that's my number four. Um, Lourdes, would you like to lead us with your number three? Yeah, so um, my number three is Frida um, with Selma Hayek and it was directed by Julie Taymor. Didn't come here for fun or to flirt. If I'm not good enough, I have to do something else to help my parents. Hey, listen, if you think I'm going to sleep with you just because you've taken me under your wing, you're wrong. I was painting murals and womanizing in peace when you came along. I really love this movie. I'm kind of like really obsessed with Frida Kahlo. Um, I think that like, you know, her art is amazing, her story is, and this film I think just beautifully weaves together all of the symbolism in her art and um, how that reflects what was happening in her life. Um, and yeah, they have so many moments where it becomes a little bit like magical. Um, the, the scene where 
um, she gets uh, hit by a bus and the there was a pole that um, pierces like right through her pelvis. Um, they have uh, somebody like who has like gold flakes is like nearby. Um, and so all these gold flakes get thrown into the air and they're like coming across her and it just like looks like this painting. Um, and then later when she cuts her hair, like you get to see um, the way that that's like reflected in her paintings later. And uh, it's just like so amazingly uh, shot and put together, um, I think to really reflect that story. And I do think that it takes a lot of liberties. Um, and so there could be like some controversy around that, but just as like a story of an artist, I think that it's really beautiful. Wyatt, what's your number three? My number three and my number two have been going back and forth, let me tell you. But I think I'm going to stick with my number three being Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Man, that movie, when you talk about movies being art, that is the perfect example of it. Um, it it's it's as you said, that buildup. When I first started watching, I'm like, this is kind of slow. I don't know if I'm feeling this, but by the end, man, that's just the crescendo uh, of of the story and really just the the entire final sequence is just phenomenal i i was sitting there i'm like is she doing this and she did it she just did it and i was like man what what a powerful movie um and i know it really i mean i am a straight man so it's not even like i'm not the target demographic here but i know that the the people that i am close with that are uh gay women they just like it's it's perfect they they talk about how 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 powerful it feels watching that movie and how wonderful it is to feel that that perfect representation that it brings so it's not only beautiful it's important as well and so i it wasn't my favorite movie of last year um but when it comes to just like the artistry of it i mean it's top two with parasite like by far there's there's none that i think even come close to those two yeah i'd have to agree obviously uh nicole what's your number three my number three is so here's the thing here's a spoiler um so i really thought that my number three was directed by a woman and i was like very very confident by it but it was not directed by a woman so now i'm like kind of scrambling but what was it? I'm so curious. Yeah, what movie was it? I thought Hidden Figures was made by a woman, but it's not. <laughs> no. It's not. No. <laughs> I guess we can say my number three is The Virgin Suicides and then have The Diary of a Teenage Girl as my number four. Okay. But um, like Here I said before, um, The Virgin Suicides, soundtrack, impeccable. Sophia Coppola, wonderful. She also did Marie Antoinette. So another lovely film. Um just the cinematography, the colors, um, the chemistry between all of the actors. It's absolutely wonderful. And you know that like so much intent was put into it. And, you know, that's just the beauty of a woman's touch. And that's all I have to say. So Taylor, what's your number three? My number three is Lost in Translation by uh, Sofia Coppola. So what are you doing here? couple of things. Taking a break from my wife, forgetting my son's birthday, and uh, getting paid two million dollars to endorse 
a whiskey when I could be doing a play somewhere. Oh. But the good news is the whiskey works. <laughs> yeah, I just really, I, lo I love most of her movies too, uh, like you were talking about Marie Antoinette, but this one um, is with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson, and they both play characters that are in Tokyo for different reasons. Um, business, uh, Scarlett is traveling with her husband who's doing work and they're both lonely um, and are able to kind of find each other and spend their time together and kind of form a unique relationship with each other over the span of a short amount of time. I wanna say maybe a week could be, could be different, could be shorter or longer. But I just love her, her style, um, the way that she kind of, every time I watch it, I always get this kind of like melancholy, lonely feeling, but in the best way. Um, I just love watching them, the way that they interact, those two actors together. Uh, I love just kind of the feeling that she creates with it. Just every time I watch it, I feel sad, but in a good, good way. One of those like good sads at the end where, yeah, I just, I really like her style of movies and that one is no exception. So Lourdes, what's your number two? My number two is The Farewell. <laughs> How bad is she? You can tell me the truth. Mackenzie is quite advanced. Shouldn't we tell her? In her situation, most families in China would choose not to tell her. When my grandmother had cancer, my family didn't tell her. Isn't it wrong to lie? I mean, if it's for good, it's not really a lie. I mean, it's still a lie. It's a good lie. How's your grandmother? She passed away a few months after she was diagnosed. Yeah, I think um, similar to Nicole, I kind of identified with a lot of this like culture clash that was happening um, with her and um, seeing that on screen, I think for the first time really where it was, um, you know, I think Lily Wong, um, the writer-director, really talked about this, which was like, she didn't know how she was going to get a film funded. Everybody was like, well, it's mostly in Chinese, so uh, why would we make it for American audiences, like, or English-speaking audiences? Um, and she was like, well, this is a movie that I would watch. Like, people are going to want to watch this. And she was right. Um, and so to see a movie that was, like, a lot, like... Um, in a foreign language, but not um, marketed, like marketed to people who live here. Does that make sense? Like I live my life in like multiple languages and a lot of people do and seeing that on screen done really well was awesome. And yeah, I just really loved like basically everything about this movie. The scene where the bird is in her room always gets me every time. Um, I love a good like, this bird is trying to tell you something seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like with that movie, especially like so many immigrants watch English movies and have to just adjust. And so the fact that Lulu was like, you know, let's turn the tables a little bit. Um, if they are interested, then I don't want those people to like watch it. You know, that was kind of like my, impression of it like why would you want people that aren't going to respect this culture um and like respect like the beauty of mandarin um 
to watch a movie and watch your creation because they won't probably appreciate it as much as like people that are okay with it. Um, and so I definitely agree with that because um, I think the fact that most of the movie was in Mandarin just adds like a special little flair that like would not have been there if it was all in English. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Wyatt, what's your number two pick? Lourdes and I have been on the same page today because my number two is also The Farewell. (laughs) And let me tell you, I've got a crazy story with this one. When I went to go see this in theaters, I went to go see it by myself. And about, I want to say 15 minutes into the movie, maybe, I got a phone call from my mom. And I was like, "Uh, I'm in a movie, I can't pick this up. And then she did that thing where, you know, where someone calls you and then you let it go and then they call again and you're like, oh God, there's something going on. So I go out, I I step out of the theater because it was like, it was just lead up stuff. It wasn't super important at the time. Um, So I step out, I pick up the call and she was like, why your grandfather is currently in the hospital. They don't think he's going to make it through this next week. And cause he had car, he had a lot of cardiac issues and stuff. Um, and talked with her a little bit and ended up going back into the movie only missed like a couple minutes. And man, let me tell you when you were told that like, yeah, your grandfather is going to die. And then you watch that movie right after you get told that it hits different. I got to tell you, it hits, it hits real different. Um, so that that's just going to be a memory that I keep because he he ended up passing just like within a week after me watching that movie. And yeah, it's it's just it's unforgettable. The timing of that. <laughs> it's like it's one of those moments where the universe just really lines up in a certain way. And it was, you know, it was it was almost cathartic watching that movie at that time. But yeah, really, really yeah. special movie to me. Love the farewell especially, you know, when Nene like waves and the driving out yeah. from the taxi, bawling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. That's an emotional movie anyways, no matter what you're going through. So that timing, Wyatt, I can't believe you made it through it almost. Yeah, but, it was a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet. Uh, Nicole, you're number two. Yeah, so my number two is The Secret Life of Bees. This land has been in our family for over 40 years. My sisters May, June, and I have made good lives for ourselves in the hunting business. It was May who got us to paint the house pink a while back. It makes a statement of its own, I guess. We're pretty lucky in a world that's gone crazy. Alicia Keys is in it, Queen Matipa's in it. Absolutely wonderful film, absolutely lovely book also. Um, I watched this movie Um, I think I was pretty decently young, um, but I remember it impacting my life so deeply of just like the, how necessary it is to have strong, passionate women who aren't afraid to be themselves in your life. Um, And like, you know, putting that passion onto you just by like being around them. Um, and, you know, even though the main character is this, like, little white girl, um, this entire, like, Black family pretty much, like, opens up their home to her and just loves her so 
so deeply. Um, a love that like her father, her biological father could never give her. And so I think it's phenomenal. Um, changed my life forever, which is why um, all of those other wonderful movies just didn't make the list because I just had to have this one as my number two. And um, yeah, also Alicia Keys plays the cello in it. Like amazing, amazing. So a must watch, please. Taylor, what's your number two? My number two is Booksmart. Sorry, are you talking about all I'm saying? No. No one would know if you watched one porn one time. Think of it as a documentary. It's just a sexy documentary. It's a hot doc. All of those women are European trafficking victims. Excuse me, ma'am, are you judging other people's sexual preferences? Because you fuck a panda every night. Fuck a panda. So fucking funny. Are you about to sit here and judge me for dabbling in pornography? I thought you were a sex positive feminist. Are you insane? Nothing new here. Uh, yeah, everybody said it before really well, better than I could. It's just wonderful every time I watch it. I enjoy it and laugh just as much as I did before. Like we said, just getting a movie that kind of examines that kind of female friendship in depth. I'd never seen anything like it. And like you said, Wyatt, it, people compared it to Superbad a lot. But to me, Superbad doesn't really hold a candle to it just because I can't, probably because I can't relate to Superbad as much. And in this one, I was really able to see a lot of me and a lot of my friends and relationships I had in high school. And not to mention, like to mention, it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Like it's, hilarious so yeah i love book smart love it every time so number one i feel like we should have a drum roll or something <laughs> uh, uh, lordis what's your number one pick it's ladybird <laughs> you work at new helvetia right right can i get your number we were looking to set up some more gigs down there definitely It's my parents' number. You don't have a cell phone? Nah. Good girl. Government didn't have to put tracking devices on us. We bought them and put them on ourselves. I don't own a tracking device. No, no, no. The cell phones. See? Wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, you'll have one eventually. Everyone's going to have one. And then it'll be a matter of time. Before what? Before they put them in our brains. <laughs> Um, I think I had to be honest with myself when I was making this list and say, yes, you've watched Ladybird four times in the past six months. Okay. <laughs> this <laughs> means something. Um, yeah. I mean, this movie is like, for me, was like, oh, that's like me and my mom. Like, truly, I mean, my mom was not as mean to me as her mom is sometimes in this movie. But um, the scene where they go um, to open houses, I was like, dang, yeah. Like looking at these houses and you're like, mm -hmm, I think if I moved in, um, I would probably replace this window and maybe we put the couch over there. And, you know, that was just like such a good memory. And I think especially, you know, that sense of like being mad at your family and still like loving them deeply and wanting to get out of your small town but still loving it um driving around and becoming incredibly emotional 
And um, every time I watch it, I think it's so beautiful that I don't know where the structure is. Like every time I watch a movie, I'm thinking, okay, where's, where's plot point one? Where's the second plot point? Where's the midpoint? Because that's how my film studies brain works. Um, and when I'm watching it, I just get like so lost in like what's happening on screen. Um, and just like the, the emotions that it feels like these people are really having the experiences um, that these actors really bring to life. And I think it's really a credit to Greta Gerwig's uh, directing and her background as an actor. Um, and it just like all is so beautifully displayed in this movie. And you can tell that it's so autobiographical. It's so personal and it's just so beautiful and fun to watch. Lourdes, would you like to guess what my number one is? <laughs> wow, I could not guess. <laughs> it is Lady Bird. This movie is so good. I've I've seen it like four times, maybe five. I it's it's so good. Sasha Ronan is amazing. Everyone else in it is amazing. It, it's one of those movies where there are just countless countless moments in it that are special. I knew as soon as we get through we get through that car scene at the very beginning where she just dives out of the car because she doesn't want to listen to her mom anymore i was like this movie's gonna be special i'm in i'm all the way in you should just go to city college you know with your work ethic just go to city college and then to jail and then back to city college and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything and and there's so many more moments throughout the movie that are like that where it's just it's real you know like like one that comes to mind is is the sex scene where she's like hyping up like this is supposed to be a special moment you know and then he's like it's it's not what's why are you getting so moody you did say you were a virgin i think you might have made an assumption i just had a whole experience that was wrong look you're deciding to be upset no i am upset because you're deciding to be don't be mad at me for this it's stupid you can't be mad at me for something i have no control over i just wanted it to be special why you're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life and and it's one of those things where it, people people hype up their first time you know what i mean everyone's like oh man it's gonna be my first time i'm gonna lose my virginity and most of the time it's nothing special you know what i mean it's it is what it is and there's just so many moments like that throughout that are just so real and so intimate and and almost everybody can relate to no matter what where you came from, um, what you look like, all these other things. You know what I mean? Ladybird is something special. I love it. And um, I, as much as I love Little Women, I think Lady Bird's the better Greta Gerwig movie. And that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> all right, Nicole, are you going to break the chain? What's your number one? I'm going to break the chain. So my number one is the Joy Lab Club. I want to understand my mother. I really try. But in so many ways, she's always been a stranger to me. I guess she always will be. I literally talk about this movie every single chance that I can get because this movie and this book, um, like, okay, pack it up, bookworm. But no, seriously, um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite books of all time. This is like the very, very, very first time that I was like, that I saw exact like representation of me, a first generation child from like a Chinese Indonesian heritage and like the immigrant mom and those interactions and being like, that is me. 
that is me. I was forced to take piano lessons. Did I end up loving it? Yes. But did it also become a burden to me because my mom wanted to live vicariously through me? Absolutely. And then I think there's this one moment where it's like, I wish you were white. Like one of the daughters like straight up says that to their mom. And like reading that made me sob because um, so many times does this thought come into your head as like a child of an immigrant. Like, what if I had that privilege to have like a little Susie and Karen moment from across the street? And like, what if my life was just like so much better if I just had that like little ounce of privilege that I do not have? And like vocalizing that as like an immature little child, you don't really get to see like the how deep that knife cuts into like the heart of an immigrant mom. And so I'm very, very close with my mom. And like you see in Ladybird, when you're close to your mom, it's it is brutal. Um, and you do not hold back. And a lot of times it's because you see the direct reflection of yourself in your mom and she sees the direct reflection of herself in you. And so you all the parts that you hate about yourself, it's also there in the other person. And so this movie changed my life. Every like Asian American, Asian person, I strongly recommend watching this. Honestly, everyone can watch it, but like particularly they break it down into different relationships between moms and daughters. So like, if you don't necessarily relate to one relationship, you can definitely like see yourself in others or point out like maybe another relationship in your life. So definitely huge, huge, huge recommendation. Sorry, I broke the chain. Actually, I'm not sorry, but um, <laughs> um, Taylor, you're number one. What is it? Yeah, I'm kind of a cheater, but I have both Gerwigs as my number one. Well, I'm going to do a one and one and a half. I'm so sorry, but Lady Bird is my number one. But Little Women also means so much to me. It's got to be a 1.5. Um, so, Three for four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's something about it. There really is. Similar to what you guys said. I mean, I think I saw it in theater like four or five times. Um, I brought my mom because it reminded me of my relationship of my mom also. But similar to Lourdes, my mom wasn't as mean to me. But there was just certain <laughs> aspects that was like really similar to our relationship when I brought her, I could just tell the whole time she was like, you think I'm so mean, don't you? You think I'm exactly like her. So like, she doesn't exactly relate to it as much as I do. But <laughs> I just felt like it like captured so much of that mother daughter experience or relationship that I had experienced. And not only that, but I just loved that it was this coming of age movie that didn't end with her ending up with a guy that she liked, you know, like this big kiss. It was mainly this relationship on her with her family, her mother, like her and Julie, that that was the relationships that they really focused on. That's what I loved. And I also watched it my freshman year of college, like right when I had come to KU, I saw it at Liberty Hall. And so seeing that, seeing her go off to college and that phone call when I was feeling those exact same things of being so ready to leave, wanting to be out so bad. But then when you are, you realize like how much that you do miss at the same time. It just, in so many ways, it hits to me. And I think back to certain parts, certain lines all the time, kind of like you were talking about Wyatt and that line uh, when she's talking to one of her teachers and they talk about, don't you think that's the same thing, love and attention? You clearly love Sacramento. 
I do. You write about Sacramento so affectionately and with such care. Well, I was just describing it. Well, it comes across as love. Sure. I guess I pay attention. <laughs> Don't you think maybe they are the same thing? I think about that. That's all. another great one. Oh <laughs> my God. Good. All the time, all the time. So yeah, it has to be my number one, but I do love little women. It means a lot to me as well. So that's my one and a half. I just, I love little women in general, the story. I like the um, older version too with Winona Ryder. Also great, but just Greta did a really good job of maintaining the central story. I feel like but adding those kind of different elements and the acting Florence Pugh is Amy is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. I would die for her. Um, and I then, am a Florence Pugh stand through and through. Me as well. <laughs> oh my God. I, her Instagram. I check daily. Like when she used to post like cooking videos and stuff, but anyways, love Florence Pugh. Uh, just a beautiful movie. And I would give it, I would rate it high just even for Saoirse's monologue. That monologue mm -hmm. of, oh my God, it gets me every Women. time. <laughs> Women. Women. <laughs> but I'm so lonely. It's just. You know, I just, I just feel, I just feel like women, they, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts and they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty and I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for I'm so sick of it but I'm I'm so lonely Greta's directing her writing like everything I'm such a fan of her dialogue so special. I've been such a fan of Oh, so special. I've been such a fan of hers ever since uh, Frances Hall that she was in. And so really, she has not disappointed me yet. I, I got to go back to Lady Bird and the phone call ending was the perfect way to end it. There was no better oh way God. she could have done that. No, that back and forth of her and her mom, those scenes in the car, and then ending it even on just that like gasp and looking away. Perfect. Perfect. And so those are our top fives. I think we have a pretty well-rounded group, but, you know, to what extent does this representation, like, really go for, like, us individually? I mean, like, for me personally, I felt like Joy Luck Club and, like, even a little bit of the farewell tapped into properly, um, you know, representing me, but it wasn't, like, on the dot because, these women are East Asian and not Southeast Asian. And so Hollywood still has a long way to, to go in terms of Southeast Asian representation. But I mean, what is like, what are your thoughts on like representation um, for you? Yeah, I think when I was making this list, I definitely realized that um, off the top of my head, I can't think of a movie where um, at least not a movie directed by a woman off the top of my head that I could really see myself like, fully as like a child of like Central American in immigrants and um, just like navigating life in the Midwest. <laughs> um, I definitely didn't really think of a movie that would come anywhere close to representing um, that on screen. Um, and so, and if you look just at general statistics directing, um, women are still very, very, 
very in the minority and women of color even even more. And so I think um, when we look on screen, sometimes I would have this thing and I'm like, oh, this movie's so diverse and what a great feminist storyline. Um, but then when you look at crew and, and who really um, was in charge of creating this story and telling this story, um, it's not really reflected the same. Um, but that might be changing. Yeah, so the Oscars actually just announced um, some new some new guidelines and standards when it comes to diversity and inclusion, specifically for the best picture um, category. So essentially what they said is they have four different categories ranging from what you see on screen to behind the scenes. That will include more from minority groups such as women, LGBTQ, uh, racial and ethnic groups or people that are disabled. And I mean, it's, there's a lot of discussion around it because for one, it only applies to one category, which is the best picture. Now that is the be- the big one that everybody's going for, but it is only one category. And also some of the guidelines are a bit not, they're not super strict. I mean, one example of a movie that would make it through these guidelines just because they uh, have they had representation in little stuff like like hair and makeup or their marketing team is The Irishman, a movie about a bunch of white men. So do you guys think that it's realistically going to bring any change? Do you think there'll be a little bit? Do you think it'll be the start of a snowball effect that will hopefully overhaul the issues that we're having with diversity in Hollywood? What do you guys think? I think there could be some on paper change. And I think specifically for the Oscars, it's probably good for them because then they can say, well, you know, um, look at our picks this year. They're very diverse. Um, But for me, what's really important is what movies get to even be made in the first place and um, how often somebody gets to tell their own story. Um, Because, yes, you can have a diverse uh, or, or a group of underrepresented people in the cast, but if those people are being directed by somebody who doesn't really share their experience, um, especially if that's kind of integral to the movie, that is, I think, a big fault um, and where a lot of um, unfortunate things end up happening. I'm not going to say Green Book. Oops, I already said it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, better than nothing um but i really want to see um the funding be there for um more movies to get funded that are made by um women of color specifically uh i also have another question going off of that do you think that we're going to get more foreign representation following parasites big win this year is that in this um in this new there is nothing about foreign movies but Uh, this is just a offshoot question i hope so i mean it was a historic (laughs) win so it's a matter of do you think this is just going to be a single time thing or do you think we're actually going to start seeing this happen more often i would love to see it yeah i definitely also would love to see it i think that it'll like encourage judges to consider more international films um they've always been here they've been hanging out but um i think now they'll be like genuinely considered as serious candidates or nominations, um, which is really good. We always love to see that. Um, But to circle back to like the initial question, I just, 
can smell a little bit of tokenism that could happen from this. Um, Hollywood is really like diversity. Oh, people of color, you're so sexy, view my movie. But it's really like, all right, like, what what do you really want here? Okay, like um, <laughs> my ethnic group and my culture is not something that is going to be bound to a box on a piece of paper, but that's just how I feel about it. I'm like particularly triggered by it, but um, I hope that it'll give like more of a drive for, you know, by POCs to step up in directing and producing um, and like hiring like all staff of color and things like that. But I guess another one of my concerns is to make sure that these um, people of color are getting the um, funding slash um, financial financials to be the same because you know like you saw what happened with Bon Appetit this isn't even like directly related but like all of these like chefs of color that are doing so much for like media are getting paid like significantly less than like their white peers their white uh, colleagues or whatever so if this is where we're headed I just want equal pay at least like (laughs) I'll make your demographic but you need to pay me like an equal you know so Taylor, any last thoughts? I think pretty much the same, kind of like you said, Lourdes, we'll have to see too if this is just an on paper thing or if real change is actually going to come out of this. It's a step, but is this really going to open doors for more diverse stories to be told with a more diverse cast and crew directors? Or is this something more for the Academy to just appear better, more of a publicity kind of thing? So we'll see. It's something, but we'll have to see how much it's actually going to do, how much it's going to allow. Hopefully, at the very least, we will avoid another hashtag Oscars so white situation in the future. And that is our show, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. If you like what you're hearing here, we uh, come out with a new show every week now. It was originally supposed to be every other week, but we're doing it every week now. So you can hear our wonderful voices um, every single Thursday on Spotify or wherever you get your listening um, Nicole, what, where can you find us on social media? You can follow us on Instagram at University Daily Kansan, and feel free to give us a follow on Twitter at Kansan News. That's where you'll hear about all the things. So stay tuned. So thank you guys again for listening. Uh, see you guys next week. Peace.